parents, don't allow your daughters to be exposed to this. I mean, would you, would you, in any other situation, would you allow your daughter to, you know, be naked in front of a strange guy? In what other context would this be okay? None. Welcome to Coffee, Culture, and the Capital with Sophia and Greg. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We have a lot to chat with you all this week from CIF, the Governing Board of High School Sports in California, allowing for boys to be in girls' sports, to Senator Scott Weiner has a new bill about psychedelic drugs. He had one last year. Um, we'll kind of get into what happened to that last year one and what's going on with this new one because they are slightly different. As well as on the podcast, we have talked a lot about the California Attorney General, um, Rob Bonta, suing different school boards that have put policies in place to just inform parents but this time we're kind of in a different situation. There is a lawsuit that's now targeting the California Attorney General as well as Governor Gavin Newsom because of what they're compelling teachers to do. So we are going that's to right. get into all of that today. Um, but we can start, I guess, with the CIF stuff. So Sounds good. Yeah. And so or Greg, do you have a coffee today or what what are you drinking? You know, I rushed into this uh, interview and I don't have any coffee. I actually did drink. I drank coffee this morning, but I did not bring it into my office. So I failed. Oh, good. Well, I have a super large coffee, so that will be on behalf of both of us. Great. But, okay, so the CIF stuff. We have talked a lot on this podcast about the issue of boys and girls sports when it comes to the college level when it comes to California law, what's going on with all of that. But now we're kind of hitting it at a new angle. Um, CIF, as I mentioned, is the governing board of high school sports in the state of California. And because they're a governing board, they do meet about four times a year. And during those meetings, they allow time for public comment. So myself, alongside a bunch of other women, we went and held a press conference outside of it and provided public comment because they have policies in place since 2013, allowing boys onto girls' sports teams. And based off the 2013 year, that kind of seems like they put these policies into place because of a law, um, AB 1266 from 2013. Do you think that's kind of what happened there, Greg, or...? Yeah, we called it the bathroom bill. Um, there was an effort to kind of repeal that. Uh, a lot of people gather signatures, but it got wrapped up in the courts. So, yeah, since then, you know, males have been allowed to be on women's sports teams. But, it, you know, back then it was so few that nobody really paid attention. But now that the school districts are teaching kids that they can change their gender and they're starting in elementary school with that message and they're not unsurprisingly, uh, you got more and more kids thinking they're a different gender. And so it, this whole idea of letting boys onto girls sports is becoming more mainstream. And of course, you know, that's hurting girls, right? 
Absolutely. And so that's why we went to have this press conference to bring attention to the fact that it's not just, oh, California state law says this, or these people say that, that CIF has a policy in place. Um, And one of the worst things I think about their policy is they have this gender diverse youth sports inclusivity toolkit. It's an 18 page toolkit where it literally goes through and walks um, coaches, athletic directors, or anyone that's involved in high school sports on how to best onboard um, trans-identifying athletes into the sports program. And it's honestly extremely disturbing to read through. But I just want to play a quick little snippet. Um, I think I have like a six or seven minute video from the press conference that's on the California Family Council YouTube page. But I just want to play a clip quick snippet real quick where I talked about their policy on locker rooms. In this toolkit, CIF discusses the use of locker rooms for athletes, stating that a student uses the facility that most closely aligns with their gender identity. CIF does not care that this allows for boys with intact exposing male genitalia to strip naked next to girls. So that um, is genuinely a situation that's happening. The things we keep talking to the CIF's board about, the things we keep talking about on social media and this issue of boys and girls sports, it's not just a, hey, this might happen because your policy. It is already happening. There and right. across the nation, we have tons of cases of this happening. I'm sure there's plenty of cases that people publicly aren't even aware yet of this going on. But we sent a demand letter to the CIF um, governing board saying they need to change their policies, as well as we cited seven different examples that this has happened in the state of California where girls lost a title to a boy, girls were in locker rooms with the boys, girls were injured with um, from boys just within, I think, the past two years. We have seven examples that are well-known examples. So like I said, I'm sure there's many things that aren't. But we had the press conference again. You can find the full video of that on our YouTube page. But then we went into the meeting to provide public comment. And the way that works is it's 30 minutes of public comment. Each person gets two minutes to speak. And then when the 30 minutes is over, if there's more people to speak, the governing board can make a motion to um, extend the time. So everyone there has a chance to speak and talk about what's um, on their mind, whether it's something they're supporting CIF, concerned with CIF. It's a it's the same thing we see happen at school board meetings. It's the same thing we see happen at the Capitol. This is what you get to do. You get to express your voice and your opinion. And so we went to go do that. We filled up the full 30 minutes. There was only about three or four ladies left to speak. And so when the 30 minutes wrapped up, they said, okay, public comments closed. And so I think they didn't expect us to maybe know the rules of how their meeting went. And so that's when I said, no, but one of you guys can make a motion to extend the time. We have a couple more speakers. One of you guys, like just one. It was a room of about 50 adults there. All They all had their little paddles. Just one of them had to raise it and make that motion to continue the conversation. And not one of them did. So we said, really, not one of you guys are going to be brave enough to speak about this, to extend the time, to hear from the public people took time off of work to go there. People drove far. It, the meeting was in Southern California. Some people in Northern California flew in for it. And so right. they didn't even get the time to express their um, thoughts and their opinions. And so it really showed that CIF is closed off to having a conversation about 
their policies allowing boys and girls sports. So I did get the chance to speak at the open comment. I'm just going to play the last 15 seconds. I will note that I had a couple people on Twitter tell me when you're giving a speech, slow down. So I am noting this was trying to fit everything in two minutes. I don't talk this fast when I give speeches, but it was just, I think I had 10 seconds left to say like my last paragraph. So that's why it's quick, but we'll go ahead and check that out. So to be clear, Title IX doesn't say anything about gender identity. It prohibits discrimination only on the basis of sex. Your hands are not tied on this policy. And I trust you understand basic biology, that you know it's wrong to allow boys on the girls' sports teams. Maybe you're just too scared to stand up to this policy. Hear me out, stand up to it. You were put in this position for such a time as this. Do not let fear stop you from protecting every CIF female athlete. As we know, the only thing necessary for the triumphant eagles for good men to do nothing, so stop doing nothing and fix your policy. There you go. Yeah, so again, super fast, but they literally cut the microphone once that two-minute buzzer hits, and I saw it was like one fifty-six. I was like, all right, I got to get this in, but it's the truth. It's a room full of adults that are choosing to do nothing about it. No, isn't that right? And is that that is exactly how evil triumphs? Mm -hmm. Everybody knows, you know, you know, that this is putting girls in danger. It's taking away their opportunities especially when a guy can simply declare himself a woman at any moment in his life, right? For any reason whatsoever. And then he can go into the girls' bathrooms and undress in front of them. It's it, everybody knows this is ridiculous mm-hmm. and yet nobody wants to stand up and say something. Exactly. Right. And, and when we all collectively do that, evil just marches on. Right. It's exactly. yeah. It, yeah. It's so I'm glad, I'm glad you stood up. You weren't uh, acting like those adults. And so we just need to get more people to do that. Yeah, exactly. And so um, that was part of the demand letter that was sent to, I mentioned Title IX in there. Title IX supersedes the California state law so they can fix their policies. Um, And the full two minutes of what I talked about is I went into, um, again, in their toolkit, they talk about why they have this whole situation where you get to choose whichever sports team you want to be on. You don't have to do it based off your sex, but your gender identity. And they actually say it's because of Title IX. Um, They used the case of Bostock v. Clayton County, which completely misinterpreted Title IX. Alliance Defending Freedom has quite a few different, like 30 to 40 pages of public comment explaining why you can't use that towards Title IX. And so I just sat there and told them, why their interpretation is incorrect and why Title IX can actually supersede what they're following now. Um, But the last thing I want to add on this, and then we'll move on to the next thing, is the reason I felt passionate about speaking out on this stuff is I played four years as a varsity CIF athlete when I was in high school. And three of those years, I was the team captain of the varsity team. So I became captain when I was 15. There was quite a few 18-year-old women on the team because they were seniors, they were 18. And so I just wanted to point out again, this is directly from their toolkit. It says, how do we successfully onboard trans slash non-binary athletes? And then their answer, because they give a short answer and then more explanation. CIF said to enlist the assistance of your team captain to welcome the new teammate and to help them acclimate. And reading that was, again, this was since 2013. So this was in place while I was in high school. Luckily, when I was in high school, um, people weren't falling for this whole gender ideology. It was not um, 
the social movement of my time when I was in high school. But what was really disturbing to me was knowing that when I was 15 years old, if there was an 18 year old man that chose, he wanted to identify as a girl and play on the girls sports team. So he's a senior in high school, 18 years old, all that. CIF would have said, it's your job as the 15 year old captain to make sure he feels comfortable on the team, to make sure he feels comfortable in the locker room, to acclimate him to the team. Instead of me being able to stand up for my teammates and say, hey, this man shouldn't be naked with us in the locker room. This man shouldn't be taking a starting spot. So absolutely disturbing to know that not only is CIF just allowing for these policies to happen, they're actually pushing for the girls to learn how to become accepting to the basic, basically lunacy that this is, become becoming the people that acclimate boys into our spaces. So don't just be comfortable with the boys being on your sports teams and locker rooms. Your job as a high school girl is to actually acclimate them into these spaces. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's unbelievable. But here we are, folks. Um, it's about time uh, we speak up. Uh, parents, don't allow your daughters to be exposed to this. I mean, would you, would you, in any other situation, would you allow your daughter to, you know, be naked in front of a strange guy? In what other context would this be okay? None. <laughs> exactly. And it breaks my heart to say this, but if you are a parent and your child is in this situation, tell them to sit out of the game. Tell them to protest this. And again, this breaks my heart because I would do anything to play another game with my college teammates or my high school teammates. I loved playing soccer. It breaks my heart to tell a girl, sit out from the game if you're playing against a boy. Choose to not play if there's a boy on your team. But we have to start standing back um, and fighting back and pushing back. And that's the way this is going to work. So Parents, right. support your kids through this because if your kid is in public school in California, they're probably going to find themselves in a situation with someone, not necessarily on the sports team, but in general in their classrooms or their teachers pushing this whole ideology that you can be whatever gender you want, which kind of takes us to the next topic of the lawsuit. So, Greg, right. what is going on? How has this kind of the tables have turned from the last couple of lawsuits we've talked about to now the um, Governor Newsom and Attorney General Rob Bonds are being targeted in this lawsuit. That's right. We're talking about a lawsuit that's happening down in Escondido. There are two Christian teachers uh, who are part, who are junior high teachers. And the, the policy there uh, at the school, they were told that they were going to have to keep the gender identity of their students if it changed. Uh, keep that from the parents that, and they, these two junior high stu uh, teachers said, you know what, we can't actively lie or deceive parents. I mean, they were actually told, you know, when your kid's in class, you use a certain pronoun that they want to use a certain name, but then you talk to their parents, you got to flip back to their original name and pronoun. And they just weren't going to do this. This violated their Christian faith. They thought parents should be the ones intimately involved in every aspect of their child's life. Why would you keep this secret from uh, And the back in September, a judge uh, said that their case had so much merit that, that he was going to put the entire secrecy policy on hold. And, and also part of that lawsuit was the Department of Education. Because the Department of Education here in California 
is telling school districts that they must enforce a privacy secrecy policy regarding gender identity. So this school district was following, you know, the directive. Um, and so just to make it more clear that this lawsuit uh, and the judge's pronouncement that this violates the U.S. Constitution, he, uh, the, the, the judge asked the, um, ordered actually, the, plaint, uh, the, the lawyers in this case to add Governor Newsom and Attorney General Bonta to this lawsuit. So now the, the lawsuit's not just, we're not just suing the Department of Ed, we're not just suing, they're not just suing the, the individual school district and the uh, officials that were call, telling them to lie to parents. They're now suing the governor, they're now suing Bonta. They're gonna be on the hook for this secrecy policy. And it's really interesting because, you know, one of the defenses that the Department of Ed said to, in, the, in, the, in this lawsuit, they told the judge, they said, you know what, this is just guidance. We're not, we're not forcing this school district to follow our guidance. We're not, we haven't taken away their, their money, right? Or their state funding. So, you know, but the judge didn't, did not agree with that, um, how they were requiring this. They were saying this is what state law said. And then ironically, this week, we're coming out with a new story, um, and I'm still working on it, but the Department of Ed, um, which is led by Tony Thurman, a state superintendent, he has, there's another school uh, up here in Rockland in Northern California, the Rockland Unified School District. They instituted a parent notification policy. This is something we've been encouraging school districts to do. That if a child changes their gender, uh, their name or their pronoun at school is completely telling everybody that parents should be notified. And they had a policy like this. Well, the Department of Ed just issued a, they said they an investigative report um, it, that charged them with discrimination and breaking uh, the the education code, right? So why they're down at this other case saying, hey, this is just guidance. Now that what they've done is they've said, they've investigated Rockland, they found that their notification policy is illegal, and now it says it's asking them to apologize to all the students and teachers that this policy will not be enforced, or uh, we will threaten to pull all your funding. So, we are, we are putting together a story about this. Uh, it will be available on Monday. And so be on the lookout for that. So uh, very interesting what's happening here in the state on this issue. It's a big issue, parent notification. There's no reason in the world why schools should be keeping secrets from parents on anything, especially something as uh, important as this. I just want to touch on what you kind of said there right at the end, Greg. Our elected officials in California, like our leadership, our government, our governor and our attorney general are so upset that these school boards want parents to know what's going on in their children's lives. They have said if you... Tell parents that this child is going through this gender ideology stuff. We will pull your funding. How? I I just, like, that's beyond ridiculous, like, to say 
we want your parents to be so uninformed about their children, we will pull your funding if you choose to inform them. It's beyond belief. And I was actually um, watching a video kind of on this topic earlier this week. And this lady was sharing on the fact that when did we turn to, I remember being told when I was little by my parents, all you tell us everything. You get to tell us everything. If someone tells you, like if someone does something to you and then tells you you can't tell mom and dad, that's the first thing you need to come running to us with. You're supposed to tell us right. these things because right. it, it leads into all these issues. And so this lady was sharing on the idea that, or on the fact that, she was sexually assaulted as a really young girl and remembers um, the man telling her, you can't tell anyone about this. You can't tell anyone. Do not tell your parents and all that. And she just remembers being like, I'm, my parents told me I'm supposed to tell them everything if things happen. She knew it wasn't right. She was a young girl and goes and tells her parents. And then she just kind of correlated that story to what we're seeing today of oh, come to me. You can come to me as the teacher and tell me everything. We don't need to tell your parents. And obviously this sexual assault is on a very different um, situation than this gender ideology stuff. But I don't know how we quickly flip the switch of keep parents involved in their children's lives to completely keep them. If you don't keep them uninformed, uninformed we will pull your funding. Right. It's illegal. The federal government is going to come down. The Supreme Court eventually will slap this all down. Um, but it doesn't have to if, if parents rise up and protest this. We cannot be passive when when a school has determined that you shouldn't be involved in knowing what your kid is doing. No secrecy. Um, I mean, we also have another story similar where uh, there are starting UBU clubs in elementary schools. These are LGBT clubs. Um, we have, <laughs> I've, I've heard from parents in a local school district, we'll expose it soon, where in elementary school, a third grade teacher was going around to all the classrooms, encouraging kids to come to this new class, a new club called UBU, um, where it's for kids, for boys who have crushes on boys and girls who have crushes on girls. But everybody can come, right? And they did not tell the parents about this new club. No, it was supposed to be all kept secret, right? And, and so parents are like, what? <laughs> so this is the kind of thing that's happening in elementary schools. And it's not just one from a rogue teacher. The district is involved, right? Um, and that's what we're, what we're investing in right now. So you'll, you'll see a story about that soon. Mm -hmm. And I know all the stuff that we're talking about can seem very disheartening or scary, or you're just telling me all this bad news. Why don't I just leave the state and all that? And so I just want to make sure you guys are all aware of, we're not here just to inform you of the bad news. Obviously we're here to inform you about what's happening in the state of California. But like Greg mentioned, this parent notification policy, CFC has been very involved in that and pulling people together to get that going. We're testifying at the Capitol, we're writing the news stories, we're calling the legislators, we're going to school board meetings and testifying. So we're here to inform you about what is happening and the truth about what's going on. But like, trust that we are also here on the other end, fighting it as hard as we can and pushing back and doing all we can to keep you informed on how you can also use your voice to make a difference. And so that's kind of what we're here doing, whether it's at the Capitol or it's, we've, again, we've testified at the Capitol. We'll go talk at school board meetings. We'll go talk at city council things. We've hit it all. We're trying to fight back. So trust that 
we are informing you, but also we're fighting for you and fighting for biblical values in the state of California. So keep us in prayer for that because we can't do without prayer, but we also cannot do that with um, your financial help. We do work fully off of donations being a nonprofit. So you can also help us out that way. Um, that's at californiafamily.org. But not only are we seeing these lawsuits go down, these crazy policies about gender, we have, I'm pretty sure if you're tuning in, you are familiar with him, Senator Scott Weiner. And he has some crazy bills quite often that um, we find ourselves fighting back and pushing back against majority of the time. And so he had a bill last year, SB 58, that had to do with psychedelics. We pushed back really hard. Greg, I'll let you dive in into what happened with that. But he has a new bill this year, SB 1012. And so he just recently announced this bill. Here's a screenshot of his tweet. And he says, today I'm announcing with Marie Waldron. So this is actually a Republican that he, um, an assemblywoman, a Republican. And he says, new bipartisan legislation, Senate Bill 1012, to authorize psychedelic treatments in California. He said, Gavin Newsom charted a path forward while vetoing last year's SB 58 SB 1012 directly responds to his call for therapeutic guidelines. And Greg, before I hand this over to you to dive in, I just want to note, like I said, Senator Scott Weiner, I'm sure you're all familiar with the fact that he is a Democrat. He is partnered with this Republican on this. And that just goes back to that CFC is nonpartisan. If you do something good, no matter which party you are on, we are going to platform you, cheer you on, let the state know that you're doing good things. Also, no matter what party you're on, if you're not doing good things based off of how we see it to be, based off of our biblical values, we are also going to make sure the state knows, um, regardless of which party or which side you are on. So I wanted to note that. But Greg, what is going on with, what was SB 58? Now what's going on with SB 1012 of this year? Well, yes, this is, uh, there is a movement here in California to legalize all drugs, that there will be no illegal drugs anymore, right? Um, and they're starting with psychedelics. Um, this started a couple years ago, and it's not, that's not just something that I am uh, have conjecture about, or, you know, this is something Senator Weiner actually said on Twitter. And if you go on our website, yeah, we quote him there. And psychedelics is the first drug he is seeking to legalize that currently is illegal. Now, why is it illegal? Well, even though some people have some positive uh, results from it, they think it's helpful to them, the negative effects of psychedelics far outweighs anything positive. I mean, that's how in our country, we deal with drugs. What we have a whole entire Texas um, from drugs that will do us harm, and the, the drugs that are like really dangerous. We actually have doctors that uh, who know all about what dosage to give and how much to give and who to give it to. It's very regulated for a reason to protect the public from harm. Everybody knows in their lives someone who's got addicted to drugs and it's destroyed them. Right. We have a homeless problem in uh, and a lot of it's not a homeless problem here in California. It is we have loosened up our drug laws and people are lives are being destroyed by these drugs they got addicted to the drugs they are taking. Psychedelics has been on that kind of a list ever since the 60s. Right. LSD, acid. Those are all psychedelics. And what they ended up doing is they 
they make people hallucinate, right? They take you away from your current reality and you start seeing things and you can't tell between what's real and what's not, right? A bad acid trip is when it gets really bad. And, but some people have these great acid, these great LSD trips where they start imagining things that the creativity was great, right? And that's how people are lured into it. So Senator Wiener tried to legalize psychedelics, um, even LSD and uh, ecstasy and another date rape drug uh, a couple years ago for, for not medical use, just for um, recreational use, for fun, right? Uh, that died, didn't quite make it. So he introduced it again, this time without the, the he took away some of the more um, uh, LSD and the date rape drug. And, and so he, he toned it down. Well, Governor Newsom vetoed it, but Governor Newsom kind of gave him a little hint, say, hey, if you come up with a separate uh, system where there's some type of medical professional overseeing, you know, people who are taking it, then maybe I would sign this. This is the same way marijuana started out. Uh, they wanted to legalize it. Well, they couldn't legalize it for recreational use. So they started to say, hey, what if we set up a separate medical um, uh, therapy? And so, you know, uh, we're going to skip what the federal government says about the drug, and we're going to set up our, our separate licensing uh, for those who want to take uh, marijuana and they came up with these licenses that you could get claiming you had anxiety and all of a sudden, you know, everybody had a license that wanted to smoke marijuana. Right. And, and then eventually it was legalized. This is the same tack they're taking with this new bill. So Senator Wiener just introduced the bill and you mentioned it SB 1012 and he's calling it the regulated psychedelic assisted therapy act and the Regulated Psychedelic Substances Control Act, right? And so this is, the federal government's or still saying it's illegal, right? These are bad, the FDA has not approved this. Um, and so California is gonna forgo getting federal government to, to give their blessing and they're gonna create their own system, right? But it, what, what we have, and, and I know some people still think, well, maybe these psychedelics have some positive use, right? Maybe we could use them to help people. And the problem is people who have mental health problems, they're desperate for some kind of answer, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, we, we have a, an expert. Her name is Dr. Uh, Jennifer Bowens, who I've been working with. Uh, from this, uh, she's the director of the Center for Family Studies at the Family Research Council, our counterpart in, in D.C. And she's been doing a lot of research on this. And she says, you know, given the state of mind in the country, we must recognize that we are vulnerable to accepting interventions with big claims of success, even when those claims um, are backed by bad science. You know, we must be a wise consumer. I'm still quoting her a wise consumer of science and suspicious of claims about drugs that can heal every psychological pain. In this case, they say it, uh, everything from resistance to anxiety, post-traumatic stress, depression, alcohol, uh, tobacco use, you know, they're claiming psychedelics can help with everything, right? But there are, there are so much evidence out there that there's also really bad things happening. And, and, and just recently, I'm just going to pull up a little study here. This is from Stanford that just came out 
couple weeks ago, and it's it's looking at how hospitalization and hospital visits to emergency rooms increased by 50% uh, over the last five years, right? So what's happening is as psyched- more people are using psychedelics, more people are having psychedelic, they're having psych- psychic, psych- what do you say it? When you have a mental break. <laughs> yeah, mental. And they're rushed to the hospital. Uh, you're being rushed to the hospital. Um, they call it an observed hallucinogen-associated emergency department uh, visits. People are being rushed to the emergency room. Um, and so they are, we are actually going to put together a webinar. Because I know you think, well, you know, Sophia and Greg, what do they know, right? Mm-hmm. We're not doctors. And you're right. So what we have – and we realize that. Um, so we are putting together a webinar – um, I believe the date is March 28th. Is that right? Yes. Thursday, March 28th. If you are watching live on Facebook right now, you'll see in the comments, um, we put the link to our webinar page. It's not there yet to sign up officially yet, but it will be. If you are right. watching on YouTube or tuning in later, visit californiafamily.org backslash webinars. You'll find it there. We'll send out an email. But yeah, so it's Thursday March 28th, it'll be 7 p.m. till about 8.30 p.m. Pacific time. Um, we're going to dive into all this. So, Greg, if you want to give more details about that webinar. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna, we, we've got a bunch of experts, doctors, law enforcement agents um, to come and explain to, to, to the audience exactly why they're concerned about trying to legalize psychedelics. And, the, you know... It, it's interesting. I, I the the folks that have been most effective in getting uh, some of Wiener's bills killed on psychedelics have been law enforcement because they see firsthand the effects that psychedelics are having on people. They they're arresting them. They're going to their homes during emergencies. They find them on the streets, totally stoned out unaware of their surroundings and, and what's happening. Well, they're on psychedelics, right? I mean, I'm not sure if you look in the news of what happened to Alaskan airlines. They had a pilot who was, uh, I think it was, he was just traveling on, on one of the, the, the flights and he had taken some mushrooms and he tried to take the plane down. Um, and now he's being charged, you know, for the attempted murder of all the, all the passengers. Um, that is one instance but I think a lot of people just don't realize, remember <laughs> what the, what, why this was banned in the first place. People thought they could fly. They would jump off buildings. You know, they, they went out of their minds. And so we have to be really careful. I mean, um, that we, we put all our hope in some type of drug to help us with our, our depression, our anxiety, or the things we're really struggling with. Man, those are real problems, but there's no – Turning to drugs and self-medicating is, you know, can have really bad, bad consequences. And so since we love our neighbors and we, we want to speak up uh, uh, against drugs, knowing they hurt pe- some of the times they hurt people, that's why we're doing this as Christians. We're, we're speaking up out of concern and love for our, our neighbors. Absolutely. And I think just with issues like this, some people can be like, oh, maybe, like, come on, it's just one little bill. You're really going to put that much effort into fighting it. But this is how 
the Capitol works. This is how legislation works. It's not just one little bill. They're doing their one step that gets them closer to their next crazy thing and their next crazy thing. Right. We've seen this happen across all the different issues, whether it was abortion. How do we legalize this and legalize that and legalize this, legalize that until abortion is completely fully legal up to the moment of birth? We've seen this again, going back to that um, bill AB 1266 from 2013, allowing boys into girls' restrooms and vice versa at schools. That's not really going to happen. That was just one step of then they did their sex ed, teaching children they can choose their different identity. It leads to all these different things. Right. So, well, also it led to jails, right? Mm-hmm. Now we have males and female jails. It, I got a call from a, a, a um, just last week, I got a call from a Christian um, halfway house. And the, the woman uh, that was in charge of hearing uh, helping women who are homeless. She, she said that she's hearing horror stories from the local uh, city um, uh, homeless shelter uh, for women. They are letting men sleep in their quarters and their rapes and molestations going on and all kinds of sexual harassment, all because they're letting men pretend to be women and be housed with you know, women who are hurting and homeless. Mm-hmm. This is where it all goes, right? So little steps lead to bigger steps. Yes, exactly. So if we can stop these little steps, we're going to try to do that. And so that's why each bill, no matter how big or small it may seem to you, we know there's it's a step in the craziness. It's a step towards honestly evil. We know as Christians, this is a battle um, of it's spiritual warfare. It's a battle of evil versus good. But that is all we have for you guys this week. Things are going to start ramping up, though, at the Capitol. We're going to see a lot of committee hearings soon begin at, in the end of February, beginning of March. So definitely stay tuned. Um, we'll be, like I said, today we only had, we only focused in on this one bill. But in a couple of weeks, we're also going to be like, here's eight bills. This is what you need to do. So stay tuned. Follow along on our social media share this podcast with people. We really try to just break down what's happening this week, make it simple and easy for you all to kind of catch up on. If you don't get our weekly newsletter, go to californiafamily.org, sign up for that weekly newsletter. We send our column campaigns. We send um, the different articles we write all just in one email. We make it simple for you all. But yeah, californiafamily.org, you'll find our newsletter, how to donate, all of our social media, our bill watch list, our call-in campaign um, center. So go check that all out because things are going to start ramping up. But thanks, you all, for tuning in this week. Bye.